0: You're listening to Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast that's changing society by cherishing scripture. Why do you need to carry an amulet around in your pocket that says WWJD to remind you what Jesus would do? Isn't that the Holy Spirit's job?
1: But it seems like a lot of men are trying to manufacture this difference as opposed to letting it naturally happen. Exactly. And the Bible, the Bible naturally changes people and makes them different in debates
2: when you get in a debate with someone, you know that you've won the debate when they turn personal.
3: Yeah. They're attacking these preachers that are standing for their liberty. And right. when they can't find anything biblically wrong with this person, they start picking out
0: other things. Yep. And if you don't think that those two things can overpower and overtake you, you're pretending. Right. right. And now here's your hosts, Pastor Brad Bailey, Adam Caps, Zach Taylor, and Jeremy Boggs thanks for tuning in again guys to the cherishing scripture podcast brad bailey here with you and we have to my left adam caps to my far left jeremy boggs newly engaged getting ready to get married We're going to be a great family i'm looking forward to that and then behind the the sound making us all sound great keeping us all in line zachary taylor and the person keeping him in line is his wife Jackie. So we're all squared up here. Now that we got a our, we, we, our last single guy, yeah, then we're all going to be in line. It's going to be awesome, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> what are you most afraid of, Jeremy? Being in line. Um, nothing really whoa oh <laughs> you want me wow. I'm just kidding time to pluck a pigeon <laughs> no
3: i my, my you mean my biggest fear is uh is failing her, but that's about it yeah, I got you
2: you know so, honestly, I got you like outside of but as far as being afraid of her yeah outside that's of that, my that. biggest fear personally for me we all I, know
3: that I will be wearing the pants the there you go.
1: I never yeah. wear pants well. <laughs> That's probably the problem. That's Caps why Sharon's in charge. He's not wearing pants Capri's right now, jorts type of guy. You that's guys know. wouldn't even know. That's why
2: Sharon's in charge. So, uh, but go. um <laughs> You know, actually, that's funny. My biggest fear was right. like I'm very OCD. Yeah. And I was afraid like how triggered the things she did would yeah. make me cuz like certain things have to be a certain way and Yeah. Like it's a small things, so like being early. I'm yeah. always like 10 minutes early. She's oh, either yeah. right on time or a couple minutes yeah. late. Yeah. Anna's yeah, bad yeah. about that. She takes forever to do things. Oh, my. And it just. Yeah. I hate that. Been
1: anymore. married for eight years, man. Ain't made any headway in that area. Yeah. I know. Not a little bit.
2: That that was probably the most anxious part besides, you know, like just the responsibilities
1: of a man. Now she's yeah. gonna watch this podcast. And we'll yeah, be in trouble. We're, she's we're all me, in big trouble. she's gonna give me the. Red That's why I'm back. sitting over here keeping <laughs> my mouth shut. Bad comments down. <laughs> yeah, on yeah the Pastor, YouTube. tell us the biggest problems
2: with. Being I don't want to talk about. <laughs> got some experience. So anyway, now. today we're talking about this issue <laughs> yeah. of uh, pastoral
0: authority again. This uh, this book, I think it's, I think I wrote this was in 2013. I can't remember, but uh, um, when uh, I, I married, got earlier. married, man, maybe maybe 2010. I can't remember, but when I wrote this book, it kind of you know it all kind of it started you know getting out and people reading it and um you know i remember a host of guys sitting we, we were sitting around a supper table one night talking about you know some of the things in the church that need to be addressed and so forth and so they you know i, I was bringing some things up and they were you know fruitful about it too bringing some things up and so you know somebody needs to write a book and i said well i, I think i'm going to and so uh some of those same guys that were sitting around the table with me that night became almost immediate uh Uh, opponents of the book after it was published because, um, you know, it just got really close to a nerve among fundamental Baptists. You know, these are eight traditions that are in conflict with God's Word, and so chapter two is about pastoral authority. It's called Inordinate Pastoral Authority, and uh, this is a major issue among fundamentalists, uh, the issue of pastoral authority is is one of the operating fundamentals in, in the independent Baptist world. It is as if that movement can't exist without inordinate pastoral authority. And I'll just say this before we get started. We're going to read this this next bullet point here. But... We are not, in this podcast, we are not saying that a pastor has no authority. That's not what we're saying. And we're not saying that a pastor should not lead his church. We believe a pastor should lead his church. Uh, But where in the last podcast, if you were with us last time, you noticed that we talked often about the fact that there are men who – at least are are lending the appearance that they are in competition with Jesus Christ for headship in the church. Mm-hmm. And it has been said on occasion, as we stated last week, that there are some fundamentalists, uh, and I'm not talking about the peons, I'm not talking about the the little guys, I'm talking about some big-name fundamentalists that are persuaded that Jesus is the universal excuse me universal invisible head of the church and the pastor is the local visible head of the church and we uh we disagree with that four square we have no interest in that arrangement whatsoever. So we're going to the next point today Adam if you've got it uh, if you want to read that and we'll just start tossing this one around and enjoying some hopefully some fruitful conversation on it. Yes
1: sir. Well, <clears throat> we're on number 6 out of 11 it looks like. And it says, when a pastor expects all or almost all authority to lie with him and very little, if any, to rest on the church body, he has crossed the line into inordinate pastoral authority.
0: This is a big one. This is a touchy one. This is a really touchy one because where does the, we know where the final authority is. We know that's God's word but when god's word is in conflict when something has been preached or something has been done that maybe is outside of the parameters of god's word does the church have authority to call that pastor on the carpet does the church have the authority to to uh, to prioritize god's word and uh, and to request respectfully ask and request that he Rescind something that he said or that he um, that he take it back altogether? You know, I had a it's conversation a
1: with a, a friend of mine. I, there's one of two friends I can think of. And I don't know which one it was, so I can't name a name because I'll hurt the other one's feelings if it was actually the other person. But they made mention about how the church and it, the way it exists today and the way it's run today, especially when it comes to the authority, is extremely Americanized. Where right things things happen democratically in our church and that's it's true. run like American government yeah. and I don't, I don't
0: approve America. of that I don't, I don't, think don't think
1: that's know biblical. yeah I don't know that that's necessarily biblical and it made a lot of sense when he said it I'm like well you're right our church should not run the way an American government runs it may you know function pretty well as far as governments go but the church is not that way and I don't yeah. see that being the biblical model where in the bible does it have a vote I agree so I don't know. It may not be a popular opinion, and I don't know how I feel about it. But no, I think, exactly I, right it I think you're exactly right
0: on that. I think you're exactly right on that. And, you know, if you go to the Old Testament, I think that's supported in the Old Testament. You had God, obviously, and uh, but God always had a man, and God always used that man to communicate his message to the people of Israel. And uh, and they didn't vote on what Moses said. They just trusted that he got that message from God. But here's the problem today. Um. Uh, I'm suspicious that a lot of things that preachers are saying today is not from God.
1: Right. See, this is where I get squirmy then. Yeah.
0: Because when
1: when we use examples like Moses or the prophets from the Old Testament and we use those examples of how things should be in the church, well, it was a different situation. We're talking about a different people. We're talking about people that audibly heard God at some time points, so like we can't necessarily use them as an example. And you're not the first person to make mention of that. And so every time somebody does, I'm like, yeah well, we got to sort of back off that because you know it's great to to read those and make applications based on those stories, but don't compare apples and oranges when they're clearly different.
0: Yeah, I do think there's huge differences there. Uh, the only consistency that I would point out would be. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that's that's been the way that God has has done it uh, throughout Old Testament history. And even though I think there are some radical differences transitioning from the old, that Old Testament authority into the New Testament, uh, I think the leadership of God's man is still intact. Um, it's, but I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, they are apples and oranges, mm. for sure.
3: Yeah, it's. I think it's funny how um, you know. The church is allowed to vote him in but the church can't vote him out yeah you know they see, yeah. see
2: but i have difficulty with this personally because this is a tough one don't get me wrong i don't think all the authority should lie on the pastor but i have seen especially growing up in the country pastor Rayleigh, you've mentioned this about a church that you know i have a church very similar to it back home the only pastor they had it was a very unique church they only had services and so at the beginning. Uh, the history of this church they only had services on Fridays and then they had it every I want to say it was every third Sunday and that was because the pastor of that church was actually he was a very good man uh, brother Emmett Whaley he was the pastor of another church so he would go up there and he'd preach but it was only at those services so every third Sunday he'd have someone fill in his pulpit and he'd go up there and preach on that third Sunday but that was it. But now this church, it's had several pastors in, out, in, out, and I had my cousin. He was talking to me because uh, he's actually the grandson of Emmett Whaley, and he was like, I, "I really want to take this church," and I was like, "That church has voted out everybody they've had," yeah, yeah. and and I was like, yeah. "I would really pray and make sure that it's what God wants you to do, and you know, not just." wanting to fulfill your grandfather's legacy. Right. And sure enough, he got up there, and I believe he preached on alcohol one service, and one of the ladies <laughs> in the church that had a lot of swing power because her uh, brother was very wealthy and ran the church, she got hair-lipped about it, and he got voted out, Yeah, turned around and kicked right out. So it's hard because in some situations, I believe I believe, in general, most cases, the power should be pretty equal lying with the church. I think the pastor should be leading, but I think the church should also be able to hold the pastor accountable. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, sometimes if the church has too much authority, then you run into that dangerous place where they're known as the preacher-killing church. Yeah,
0: I agree with two words there, especially leadership and accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's well, where the happy medium lies.
1: Maybe take a couple steps back from this because I think – maybe we're getting too focused down on the authority and where it belongs because ultimately yeah. we can all agree that the authority belongs to Christ. Right. right, right. He's the head. We all agree there. All right. So when we get all bent out of shape over who's allowed to make certain decisions in the church, I think it may be when we focus too hard on that, we're sort of losing the the work of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts and the necessity of the Bible in every decision that we make, right? Because generally speaking, the church and the pastor shouldn't be at odds that often. Right. And if they're being led by the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, they won't be. Hmm. So I, th- I don't know just the way that I'm seeing it right now because I've had conversations like this and I've thought about it a lot, like in my mind, like what kind of authority does the pastor truly have? What kind of authority do I as a church member truly have? and the way that i read it in the scripture is well everyone be subject unto another
0: yeah yeah so
1: i don't i don't know that it's there's like, any really it's, it's <laughs> like the home
0: it's like the home in ephesians 5 and 6 you know where the husband's supposed to be the leader of the home but the uh, the wife is also to be subject to the husband but then before the whole thing is over he says let everyone be subject one to yes. another yeah yeah mutual submission is is key there
1: okay so so there it is right yeah. i've told my wife in the past that i the only authority i have over to you is the authority you let me have that's I just agree. that's just how it is you know is the in the bible yes i'm the head of the home that's the way it's going to be but i'm not the head of the home if she doesn't see me as the head of the home yeah. so only as long as my my children submit to me and my wife submit i'm not going to you know enforce my will upon her I'm not going to hold a gun to anybody's head you know like our government does to us right I'm we I have whatever authority you give me so maybe when it comes to pastoral authority it sort of comes along the same lines I don't know I agree
0: I think you're right and I'll give you a scenario also to consider okay if Adam you and I have kids and and uh okay so let's just say you know okay you're you're the head of your home I'm the head of my home Uh, Let's just say that you went into the living room one day and said, Hey, Sharon, um, I got a voice telling me that I just need to kill our family and then kill myself. Okay, so does she have to submit to that authority? Absolutely not. In that case, she knows you're wrong. And so in that case, it is her responsibility to step up and say, No, I'm not going to allow you to do that. I'm going to do what's best for our home for the survival of our home. That's a
1: wonderful example to use.
0: And the the thing that is happening, that sounds kind of apocalyptic, but in, in reality that's what's happening in a lot of churches. There are pastors behind the pulpit that are saying and doing things that are bad for the church. Absolutely. But because many of them are fundamental Baptist churches, churches are bound to just follow this guy Right into the ditch.
1: I've been the head of my home for eight years, right? In that eight years, there has been several times where my authority has been inordinate, several times. And my wife has stood herself against me. Yeah. And you know what? I've told her after the fact, when I've apologized and made things right, I'm like, listen, I expect you to do that of course that is your not just your right it is your responsibility to stand yourself against me if i become inordinate in my authority absolutely so i totally agree with that use use of an example
0: yes sir Mm -hmm. yeah that that's where i'm at with this thing you know because i know some churches that have had to take a stand against Mm -hmm. their pastor and now let me give you another you know something that some similar illustration here that might help us um Get a grasp on this, okay? If if Brandon Baptist Tabernacle took one of our church members and voted them out, if we looked at that church member and said your lifestyle, your behavior is unacceptable, we are suspicious that you're not even saved, and so because of that, you because you've you've rejected admonition on step one of church discipline, you've rejected admonition on church on step two of uh, of church discipline. You've rejected admonition on step three, so we have no other alternative but to treat you like a heathen man and disassociate you from our church. Okay, so if that person goes down the road to another church, that church would be extremely cautious. They should be, rightly so, in receiving that disciplined member from that church. But when a pastor is... Funny with the money, and questionable in his morals, unethical in his treatment of people. When he is high-handed, authoritative, and a church stands up and says, "You know what? This is not healthy for our church." Uh, that guy gets to go down the road and be treated like a martyr, over get to be treated like a hero and
1: over and over again. I, I have so, the if a church
0: guy. votes that, if where's the authority? Yeah. The Bible does not say whatever the pastor uh, seals on earth is sealed in heaven what the Bible says is whatsoever the church seals on earth is sealed right. in heaven and so if that that's church if that church has to discipline that pastor, that's one thing we need to acknowledge here is that even pastors are not exempt from discipline mm-hmm. and if that church has to discipline its pastor, um, other churches need to be aware if he starts f- circulating around mm-hmm. and trying to find, uh, membership and trying to—that's why we have the letter issue. You know, we, we send letters to people to either approve or disapprove of uh, of church membership in another in another location.
3: So when when a when a member leaves another church and and joins, let's say our church, you you pastor, you contact their previous church, right?
0: Either if if it is a uh, if. If it's an, an easy transition, for example, if they move here from another state, mm-hmm. or if their job has placed them here, or something of that nature, and there's no problem to be c- concerned about, then we do that through a simple form letter. But if if they uh, leave their church in protest of something, uh, then we then yes we do reach out to the other pastor and say why did they leave? Did they leave on good terms? Are the circumstances correct for us to be able to receive them into our church, or are they on church discipline in your church,
3: dude? Do churches do the same when new pastors come?
0: No. And that's that's wrong.
3: Yeah.
1: That's a failure for sure.
3: Why? There are you know no background. that other church and find out why that pastor left that church. Well, you know,
0: I had a deacon call me from uh, Kentucky uh, recently and, uh, uh, you know, he had some questions about a man and, uh, and I said, you know, you got to clear this up between you and him because I don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, should a um, uh, should a, a a search committee or a pulpit committee or, or a church body in general should they look into the background of a pastor? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think one, I'd um, check his credit score. Yeah. I would check his. I would check. I would do a background check on it. I, I would make sure that it ha- doesn't have any wants and warrants. I'm a law enforcement guy too, you know. So maybe I'm overkilling here, but uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, there should be some some background check there.
3: Yeah, I don't think having him come and preach one message and then have a potluck dinner with him is enough to vote him in as a pastor. Agreed. No, which a lot of churches do that. Yeah, no. and, um, I agree. I think it. I think it should be more than that. You know, uh, it should be find out. Okay, well, what was he like at his previous church? Um, what what is causing him to want to look for another church right um i didn't uh, yeah i think it's kind of crazy we will con- we'll contact when a new member wants to join but what about when a new pastor wants to join yeah
1: mm. a good point
2: you know i think part of it should be too um you know i i use this in um normal job situations but i think it could apply to a pastor too um and how does the church feel about him leaving are they excited he's leaving are they sad that he's leaving? Right. You know, are they upset or angry that he's leaving? Because a lot of times the emotion of the church can tell you a lot about the pastor too. That's exactly right. If the church is like, and how long oh, was thank he the there? Lord, someone came and got him. Right. There's probably right. a reason why they're excited for him to go. Yeah.
0: But but how long was he there? Okay. Was he there eighteen months? Because that's almost inconsequential, mm-hmm. right? But. If he was there five years or more and then the church says, uh, we're getting rid of him or we need to vote him out, and I'm talking about for legitimate reasons, Yeah, five years is how long it takes for you to really get to know that pastor. It takes five years. And so if he's 18 months and then he flashes in the pan and he's gone, that's one thing. But if he's been there five years, and you know, by the way, it's the same thing. Uh, in most marriages, if a marriage ends before the five-year mark, most of the time it's the wife's fault, most of the time. If a marriage ends after the five-year mark, most of the time it's the husband's fault. Mm-hmm. You're with that broad brush, preacher. It is a broad brush, I know, I know. But, you just whip that sucker out. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But my, the, the issue at hand here is uh, it goes back to the illustration that I gave um, and and, and I, w- I would just add this also. I don't want to monopolize the time here, but I would just add this also. Um, voting a pastor out is an enormous undertaking. It is, it is not something to be done lightly or unadvisedly. Um, I would say in the vast majority of cases, you would be better off leaving yourself than leading a vote against your pastor. Um, but if that man has been obviously unethical or obviously immoral, uh, you you and I have a responsibility I agree. as New Testament Christians. We have a responsibility to preserve the holiness and the report of the church, the reputation of the church. And so uh, um, sadly, if pastors get into that kind of a, of a of a frame of mind and it is necessary, then the church may have to take Action, and I I can tell you from experience that is never going to be pretty.
1: Yeah. What I would say is, if if there were anybody in that situation listening to this, it is of the utmost importance that you bathe the entire issue in scriptural scripture and in prayer. Yeah. Because you cannot bring an accusation to a pastor without using the having the Bible on your side. That's just period. Correct. If the Bible is not on your side, don't even bother. Don't even bother because yeah. there is enough in the bible to condemn anything that would make an inordinate pastor need to leave. Yeah. There's more than enough there. Read it, bring that to him. Don't bring your personal opinions. Don't bring right. oh my wife didn't like when you said this one time. None of that. It needs I to be agree. what the scripture teaches and nothing else. Not a bunch right.
0: of, not a bunch of petty garbage.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter about what kind of haircut he has. Just matter what he's saying, <laughs> or any hair at all, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. It. Wow. <laughs> <Right>. Come on,
0: <laughs> but I mean, th- think about it like this. You know, okay. F- you know, I-, I just flipped over here on my computer screen here to James three seventeen. Wisdom that is from above is first pure. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all agree with that. Then, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Big one. Easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Okay. Mm-hmm entreating a pastor or admonishing a pastor should be done um, in in generous amounts before voting him out mm. and 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 what i mean by that is this if he has a bad week it's not time to vote him out if he has a bad month it's not time to vote him out it's time to go and sit down with him uh, you know, over a soda and say, Pastor, I noticed that your attitude is a little, uh, you know, porcupine ish recently. Is there something I can help you pray about? Is there something and bring that to his attention? You know, bring, the, bring that admonition to him in a respectable way and and plead with him. And if he is easy to be entreated, he may break down into tears and say, You know what? I've just been going through a lot. I'm, I'm sorry. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you can you can understand why I've been acting the way I'm acting. I'm not proud of it, and I want you to know that I, I, I do appreciate the admonition and I want to change. But if you go to him and he says, hey, leave me alone. This is none of your business. Know your role. You're the sheep and I'm the shepherd. If he takes that attitude, that's when you, you know we're, we're starting to deal with someone who may potentially have to be helped, handled more aggressively.
1: Statistically, the more likely scenario.
0: Yeah. Among, among most fundamentalists, it would be yeah. them saying, "You know what? You don't know who you're. Who you are? You need to. You need to uh, stay in your lane and leave me alone."
3: Would you say this is a good reason to have uh, elders? Yep. Then is is to be that medium between? I them. think
0: it is. It, okay, you've got that pastoral elder, mm-hmm. that teaching elder, uh, and I think the other elders surrounding him should be evaluating. Uh, you know the direction that he's going in all the time, the, yeah, constantly, and they should be able to be able to go to him and admonish him as an equal. Mm. And
1: it shouldn't be a clique of people that he appoints because they agree with him. It should be people that historically may not agree with him. Yeah, people that he can trust to be honest with him, yeah. even if it's even if you know it's hard well, to. Well, first
0: and foremost, it has to be people who want the Bible to be king,
1: right? Okay, and yeah, who want
0: absolutely. the Bible to be the absolute final authority. And if that pastor gets off the path of Scripture. That's when I think the elders have the right to go to him. You know, we have the case in Chicago of James McDonald. Uh, James McDonald was, um, you know, he was he was tampering around with certain sins and different things, and and uh, he actually uh, there was a radio host up in Chicago who had been bad mouthing him, bad mouthing his church, and James McDonald uh, allegedly uh, said, you know, what we should do is get one of our computer tech guys to go plant some 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 child pornography on his computer, get him arrested and all these guys. So he started this bitter uh, crusade against this radio host in Chicago. And when he did that, the elders of the church came to him and said, Pastor, look, you're getting out of hand. And he wouldn't stop. Good for them. He wouldn't change. And so uh, they admonished James McDonald on occasion. And, uh, and when it couldn't be um, – uh, it couldn't be rectified and couldn't be settled. They asked him to step down, and he did. Mm. You know, So I don't think it is uh, out of the question for uh, a church to have to step into that kind of role. Uh, it seldom ever is a pretty scenario, but sometimes, sadly, it just has to be done. Yeah, It just definitely has to be done. So winding it down, uh, I think I'm outroing here. Am I the guy? I forgot, man. Yeah. We've been talking so much here, so... <laughs> So we're winding it down, and um, uh, you know you can. This new website, Jeremy is leading that for us. It looks great. I mean, you did a great job on that. It's a uh, uh, Cherishing Scripture Podcast dot com. Dot com. Cherishing Scripture Podcast without an S, not Cherishing Scriptures, yeah. but Cherishing Scripture <laughs> <Don't pull me. laughs> Podcast dot So you can check them all out there. We still have YouTube. We still have all the other yeah. uh, all the other formats where you can get the. Uh, where you can get the podcast but uh, we would love for you to visit that website sign up for the newsletter and all those kinds of things it's all available now and uh, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy that so good discussion thank you guys for being with us again today and thank you for listening and we hope that you'll join us again next time this is the cherishing scripture podcast changing society by cherishing scripture